there's this guy retrofit this old bus called the Thirsty Turtle. He would summons people to him to sign him. So he pointed at me and he's like, sign the belly. So I'm like, sign oh, the belly. I got right here. I got this for you, buddy, right here. Silver Sharpie. He's like, all right, you got to sign the butt crack now. So he turned oh, around. Wow. introduce who is going to be a part of this roundtable series so you've probably seen these four names online before but now it's time to learn about who they actually are so harris lou what star were you um harris lou i'm in my i guess the, my fifth year now as a graphic designer for nascar in charlotte um, based out of their corporate office right uptown which i'm now based out of my home office right now but uh i uh, live in denver north carolina i'm a north carolina native um currently live with my girlfriend, Emily Butler, who's also the creative director at Truex Management Group uh, up in Mooresville. Um, people might be familiar with uh, my work as Lou Creative. Um, it's my freelance photography and design venture. Um, do a lot of stuff with Mustangs and I've worked with drivers like Tyler Reddick and um, Greg over at Off Axis Paint. Um, so I've done a little bit of side work here and there with NASCAR stuff, but uh, I'm also one of the lucky few that gets to help uh, develop and create the guidelines for NASCAR paint schemes and uh, the things like salutes and playoffs and uh, the season launch. So um, all of those little areas that NASCAR owns, I get to help make the decals for that from the Cup Series on down to trucks. Sean? Well, I'm Sean McGee. Um, you know, my, uh, you might know me online as SMD uh, in the social world. I'm a full-time art director at a marketing firm uh, that also does packaging design up in Akron, Ohio. Um, I live in Canton with my wife and four kids. Um, I also own an, and operate SMD, uh, as I mentioned before, um, as well as a startup stencil company uh, on the side that my wife and I run. So uh, it, it keeps us keeps us busy. Uh, the people in the racing world are probably most familiar with uh, my work in some of the Cup Series, uh, you know, Front Row, uh, with MBM this year, uh, with Go Fast uh, and the 32 team, uh, and also Freight Auctions, an individual uh, sponsor in the sport. Ryan Daly, who are you? How's it going, guys? Uh, my name is uh, Ryan Daly. I'm uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, currently working as a freelance, uh, full-time freelance designer, um, owning uh, Ryan Daly Designs LLC, um, which I have worked on the side since 2010. Um, finally, was able to take it full-time in uh, early 2019. And uh, most people will be familiar with my work uh, done with Starcom Racing, Ryan Sieg, uh, teams like that. Um, always been intrigued by motorsports since I was a kid, and um, you know, I, I got involved in the local racing scene um, a long time ago, which really helped, you know, make some connections and, uh, and things like that. And uh, I, I love it. It's a passion and I'm really happy to, you know, make it a profession for sure. And now the youngest member of the group, Kay Sykes. Helps if I'm unmuted. There you go. Hey guys, uh, Kyle Sykes uh, from Kyle Sykes Designs. Um, I'm actually from uh, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin in a small city called Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, I've been lucky enough to uh, get onto the NASCAR scene uh, in the past couple of years, um, but uh, it's a part-time gig of mine. And uh, what I do full-time is I, uh, I'm a video content producer for a marketing agency in Wisconsin. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, enough to work on some really huge projects for um, companies such as uh, Golden State Warriors, Philadelphia Eagles, um, I've done some work for Comcast uh, and NAS uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, 
And then I was really fortunate to work um, and assist with uh, the Team Blows Racing social media accounts in 2018, which is really cool. As far as the NASCAR side of things, uh, I've been really uh, fortunate enough to gain a really uh, great social following and, and the power of social media has kind of led to uh, the opportunities I've had in the sport so far. I've had designs featured on the 88, 43, um, and then uh, all the front row motorsports cars, and then occasionally had some appearances in the truck series with Young's Motorsports. So uh, it's, it's really crazy, and it really proves that uh, social media is a powerful tool, and it can uh, lead to some incredible opportunities. So the whole point of this roundtable is to just kind of give fans an idea in terms of paint scheme history, uh, the evolution of just those works of art on track. And back in the day, you know, Harris, I know you're very strong in knowledge with this. They actually, back in the day, it was all hand-drawn and they were pinstriped all by hand. Yeah, I mean, it, like the sport started with guys that had moonshine cars and on the weekends they'd slap a number on them and hit the track. But uh, it went from, you know, hand-painted letters, numbers, and um, once kind of people started needing more money, once the competition got there, that people, local businesses would jump on board and they'd hand letter their name of the local service station or whatever it might be. Um, and then one of the most iconic, I guess, hand lettered cars is, you know, the car that ended up being Doc Hudson, the fabulous Hudson Hornet, uh, which is probably the finest example of quarter panel numbers, uh, Mr. Michael Carey there. <laughs> but uh, the fabulous Hudson Hornet, big and, and huge down the side of that upside down bathtub of a car. Um, but that was all hand painted by, by an artist that, you know, would take brushes and paint out there and, and put the stuff down the side of the car. And that ended up turning into stencils and then decals and, and on all the way up to the full wraps that we have today. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, it goes back almost like as far as, as the official race goes back, uh, you know, you know, first, the first graphics are really designed on any car uh, was, was the numbers and uh, the first ever motor race, which, you know, um, was called Paris to Rowan. Uh, I may have uh, pronounced that wrong. So forgive me for that. But it was in 1894. And it was won by Albert Lemaitre and a Peugeot type five with a white number 65 painted on the side number board. So just ever since the beginning of racing, there's just been painted, you know, paint on the side, you know, numbers on there. And uh, once you get into like the 1910s, this is even before NASCAR, 1910s into the 1920s is when you kind of start to see like component logos, like, like we see contingency logos today. And it just kind of evolves from there. Sorry guys. That could stay in. <laughs> that was cute. That could stay in. When it came down to hand, uh, hand painting and pinstriping, you know, as time went on, we started getting involved with metallic and chrome uh, decaling. You know, Sean, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I love chrome. I mean, you know, everything that I do, even in my professional world, um, you know, I add metallics to it and it just makes it manly and tough. And uh, so from, from a manly tough perspective, you got to love it. Um, you know, you saw a lot of it, you know, with uh, Daryl Waltrip and like his Western Auto, uh, you know, uh, paint scheme where he had the, the chrome number 17 on the side and um, they allowed they allowed that stuff back in the day, but not so much anymore as Harris can attest to, he's probably itching to jump in here, but, uh, you know, that it's, you know, the restrictions and the reflections and from my perspective and, uh, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Harris, but they, they probably eliminated that due to 
uh, trying to level the playing field so that the chrome doesn't reflect into someone's eyes and cause a safety issue or an unfair competitive advantage if you have you know, like an entirely chrome car like Darrell Waltrip used to run back in the day. That thing, if on a sunny day, I mean, you would be wrecking into walls and it would just be a hot mess if they allowed that in today's sport. Yeah, that, that entirely chrome car was my first race, actually, at, at 97 Winston. But, uh, man, I just think about the, the Wood Brothers 21. The, the chrome gold metallic numbers go all the way back to that. I mean, and, and the, the only, to my knowledge, three-digit car number in NASCAR, the 121, um, the, the, was it Fred Lawrence? Who is that? Uh, was it Tiny Lund, I think? That no, the, the 121 was uh, the road course ringer. Who was it? He would run. It wasn't Fred Lawrence because he Dan was in 21. Dan Gurney, yes, Dan yeah. Gurney in the 121, and those numbers were were metallic gold all the way back then. But uh, I think now it has a little bit to do with the timing and scoring loops, um, because those you know shoot directly at the side of the cars as they go by the the finish line, and I think that the metallics might mess with our our digital stuff there. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I just know we're not allowed to do it now unless it's a special occasion like a throwback or like the tributes to Daryl Watcher a couple of years ago. So let me ask you this. In terms of, I guess, re, like uh, material that's reflective, Dale Jr. starting in 2014, he had that very, it was gorgeous, the National Guard scheme uh, from 2014 on. But since that point, he always ran this, I couldn't tell what the material was. I've seen them, it's going to sound kind of weird. I've seen the material on like lunch tables with like glass on top. Harris, do you know what that material actually was and why that was deemed illegal? Because it looked like it was reflective material. It is reflective. It's, it's metallic turned leaf. So they take like a, a circular uh, piece of, I guess it's sandpaper or whatever, and they hand turn it when they do it like by hand. Um, so at uh, off-axis paint, those guys do a lot of hand turned leaves uh, on helmets and stuff. Um, and it gives it that kind of old school firebird dash look. Um, but yeah, that was, that was metallic, uh, turned leaf. And, uh, I, I think that's the last time that a full-time scheme had anything metallic on it, to my knowledge. Is, is, um, uh, I have a, a fun fact about that. When I, uh, was lucky enough to win the nationwide contest, I had actually requested the numbers to be like that. And, um, apparently Dale Jr. has that maybe just on the number 88, but that, um, that gold leaf or the, the leaf kind of um, pattern, it's trademarked to him. So it wasn't able to be used. So I don't know if that's NASCAR wide or just on the 88, but I thought that was kind of interesting. It's probably that style. And even though the 88 the is a different angle and all yeah. that stuff, it would still yeah. be too close to infringe yeah. on that. Yeah, I can understand um, like if, it's, if the, like, the leaning 88 forward is trademarked. I know that. I can understand if that's the trademark, but the pattern itself is definitely yeah. a very unique it's a very unique i guess trademark i don't think you even do that um so there was a point we're talking th this was decades ago richard petty and stp so harris i know you're also strong with this knowledge so there was a point where uh richard and stp were sort of butting heads over the 43 and the petty blue uh the color you know richard wanted the car to be all petty blue stp wanted some of that iconic Daglo red in it and they had a very unique compromise yes yeah, so that was pretty much the first major sponsorship deal in nascar i guess and uh he, richard had his brand recognition with that petty blue that was also you know an accidental they had a little bit of blue left and a little bit of white 
and it made what we now know as petty blue. Um, and every car had always been blue up until that point. And they sat down in their um, sponsorship meeting. And I think it was like, you might, Ryan, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like 50,000 or something back then. That was like the biggest deal Yeah, it was something around that. Uh, and it might've even been 75,000, but yeah, and, definitely in that area. And they, one of their stipulations was he had to paint his car day glow orange and that, that red and, and he pretty much walked out on the deal because he'd said, no, like my car's blue. We're going to paint it blue. I don't need your money. <laughs> and uh, and it, that shows you how smart he was with branding back then too. Cause he knew people knew him as petty blue, you know, and, and that was, that was smart. He knew that that was important. Absolutely. And, and after a little bit, you know, cooler heads prevailed and they realized they might need that money and they kind of made a, made a compromise to, to make it blue and orange and um, Bubba and, and, Richard two years ago at Darlington threw back to that and showed up with their car all petty blue with the STP logos. And then right before uh, the race, they peeled the, the blue off the sides with the vinyl now instead of paint and uh, had that day glow orange hiding underneath to simulate that whole sponsor deal and how it went down. And one cool thing about that is that most people don't know is that uh, STP actually did get their total day glow orange car. And it was actually when Betty, they ran his 11 car, which is actually like, one of the only petty cars I can find that, you know, was not, did not start in the forties. Um, it was a day glow, completely day glow, uh, Dodge with, uh, petty blue numbers. So they, they actually did end up getting their day glow car. Um, it, it's a pretty nice one, but, uh, of course the, the SDP and petty blue is synonymous and, and they actually ended up uh, making that one of their official motorsports colors. Um, Gordon Cox, 1982 Indy 500 winning car. Uh, carried the petty blue and STP orange uh, just because uh, it was just so synonymous with petty at that point. So here's kind of a unique question. I guess I'm, I'm not sure. I guess Harris, you might know this. Um, when it comes to a team that does something like this, where they come to the track with one paint scheme and then in the middle of the weekend, all of a sudden they change it. And I know for Darlington, it's a special occasion. Do they have to get both schemes approved and they can can they just do one and then just say oh by the way we're going to tear this off you know later in the week that was one of those huge surprises that had to be kept behind closed doors there was two that weekend because the silver austin dillon car was not revealed until it showed up to the track um but you know our, our paint scheme approval process I, i'm pretty sure that was a special case that they had to get everything approved on both schemes before they you know even got close to the track um it's a pretty you know uh, far out, you know, we have a, a pretty good buffer on most paint schemes. You know, some things happen last minute and stuff like that, but we've got an awesome team that, that makes sure every car is in the guidelines and, and there's not a car that shows up with, with anything wrong on it. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that that bubble deal had to go through quite a few levels before it happened. Because with a wrap, it's, it's much quicker to change paint schemes like that in that kind of situation, but painting it is a very different story. Now, Ryan, you've talked before that wrapping can be more diverse, but paints also give you the, like that wow feature. So tell me a little bit about you know, some of the key differences and I guess benefits of wrap versus painting. Um, you know, the biggest, the biggest benefit of course of, of wrapping is, is you can uh, put anything on the car. Um, you know, uh, people use Adobe Illustrator uh, or vector-based programs to do the wraps. And, and basically, you know, if, if you can design it in there, it can be put onto, uh, onto a car. So it really opens up, you know, a lot of cool things for, uh, for companies. They can get really creative with what they put on cars. Uh, some of like the GameStop cars have just been so cool. 
uh, just, you know, with all like the game landscapes and, and just the wide open designs that, uh, that you can use with those. It's just, it's just, you know, there's no end to it. Uh, but, you know, the, on the other hand, when you have something that's hand painted, uh, you just really get a wow factor. There's just something just so just nice about seeing it in person. Uh, just it, something about it. You just know that, you know, a lot of work, not, not saying that, you know, obviously a lot of work's put into wraps and, and, and the design and the, the installation of them and everything, but uh, just, you know, it just has just that extra human touch to it a little bit, I guess, when it's, when it's painted and it really, really comes through uh, in my opinion. I'm sure some of you guys might also agree with that. Yeah. And when you go from a, from a large team to a smaller team, sometimes you have to deal with, uh, you know, half wraps, um, you know, larger teams like Joe Gibbs racing, they'll, they'll wrap, uh, totally wrap their car and, and, you know, a really flashy, you know, um, uh, wrap that has a really cool design on it. And then you trickle down to like this to mid or smaller teams where they a lot of times have a base color that their cars are, are coated with and then painted and then the wraps are applied to it. And uh, a lot of times as a designer, um, you have to adhere to the base color of those cars and work with that base color and work that, that color into the, your design of that car. Um, and what I mean by half wrap is, you know, the whole car isn't wrapped, like maybe in between the wheel wells uh, back, uh, maybe the, the side quarter panels and the rear TV panel will be wrapped, but the front might remain unwrapped with just a decal on the hood because um, the front gets really beat up in a race. And uh, sometimes it's easier to clean the paint than it is to clean off the vinyl sometimes, uh, depending on what track you're at with the debris. Um, but also for the small teams, it, uh, you know, keeping, keeping the wraps simple as well to allow for uh, any body work that happens after the race. Um, you know, they'll have to replace a quarter panel and, and don't want to have the whole car rewrapped every race. They're going to try to reuse it. So, you know, keeping those half wraps uh, simple, especially in the front area that gets, that gets dinged up a lot, um, keeping that clean so that they can just put a new nose on the front and not have to worry about matching the rest of the, the rest of the car design. And I, I think, you know, some of the, the smaller teams, like you said, they also, because of those simpler designs and because of, you know, they keep the same base color, they end up with a, a little bit more, you know, recognition or recognizability on their cars. Like I look at JD Motorsports and their red cars. Like you, you see a red car on a track, you know whose car that is. Um, and then a guy like Jordan Anderson, who's got the, his blue truck and his black truck. And regardless of what sponsor he lands and puts on it, those designs don't really change underneath. Um, so he's, you know, you know, that's Jordan and shout out to Jordan. Cause he's a, also a graphic designer and um, I remember the first time I put the, the media guide together as a NASCAR employee, I saw graphic designer slash race car driver. I'm like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> but you know, shout out to Jordan because his trucks always look so super clean and he designs all of them himself. So it's really cool to see what he can do with, with his budget. And he makes powerful looking uh, recognizable race trucks. So just going around, I just want to get you guys, you know, your guys quick opinion. We'll go uh, Sean, Kyle Harris, and then Ryan. Tell me, you know, to the uh, to your own personal eye what do you prefer paint or vinyl wraps personally i i prefer uh vinyl just because there's more you can do with it in today's standards um if you're dealing with a throwback or any sort of retro uh cars like a darlington car uh paint's going to be uh it allowed to have that really unique look like a gold fleck um it's just, it just has that classic you know retro feel to it but personally Vinyl gives me more options as a designer and I can do more things with 
the sponsor's brand and different things with the car design that I couldn't do with a paint um, just because of limitations of budget because uh, it's expensive to paint those cars um, unless you own a paint company like the 24. Uh, but it's uh, it's vinyl all the way for me. Kyle, how about you? Uh, I think Sean nailed that one on the head. I think um, same for me. The vinyl is is the way to go for me. I think it goes with my design style. Um, I I wouldn't consider myself to be a very simplistic designer. I like to go for the more eye catching, um, eye popping designs. So I think that works well with the vinyl. Um, I've never actually had the opportunity to design for uh, a painted car, but um, I think just as far as my um, I design, um, I guess, uh, the way I design, it, it matches up well with uh, the vinyl wrap. Harris, I feel like I already know what your answer is going to be, but let's hear it. Now look, uh, okay, if you're making a show car and I'm going to shoot it with a camera, I would love for it to be paint because you can't get that thickness, that shine. That you can't match that with vinyl unless you layer some good clear on top of it. But uh for for what we do, I, I've got to go with vinyl too. I mean, I, I'm all about implementing the old school techniques in the newest way possible. So like this shirt looks like it could have come from the old days because I designed it in the ways they would have designed in the old days. But it was printed on what they call a DTG, which is basically a paper printer for t-shirts. Back in the day, they would have burned multiple screens. They would have used way too much ink. They would have taken two days to make you know a run of these t-shirts. But now you can push a button on a printer and it spits right out. Um, so I'm team vinyl because there's ways you can make that vinyl look like it was painted, look like it was hand done um, with the things that we have on the computer. So team vinyl for me. And Ryan, how about you? Uh, I know I, I know I gassed up paint, but I, I definitely am, am team vinyl. I mean, it, you know, it, it just, it opens up so much, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's the sponsors that, that keep the cars on the racetrack and, and being able to, to do anything that they want to do on a race car uh, is really cool. Um, you know, that's what, you know, keeps uh, the cars on the track, keeps the fans and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's cool. Even back in the day, uh, people had billboard style lettering it was simple you know stuff like that uh even with their local sponsorships uh but it's just cool that even the today with with all the crazy things we can do with rap uh, just the principles are still the same you know just be seen and just that just it's opened so much more uh with, with rapping and uh, it'll be interesting to see what some of these cars that you know we're seeing you know come out today uh you know look like in a decade or so uh See, see how we look back on them and everything and if we uh, hold them up as high as we do as, as some of these classic ones that we've mentioned so now to to end this first episode of designer roundtable i thought it'd be kind of fun to kind of i guess debate a little bit in terms of a more which was the more iconic paint scheme i guess you can say and harris coincidentally enough is actually wearing the shirt that is going to feature those two schemes so just, I'm going to give you guys a minute each, and I'm going to be timing you guys. I want you guys to make your case, state your argument in terms of which scheme do you feel was more iconic, Dale Earnhardt's black number three or Jeff Gordon's rainbow 24. Harris, because you are wearing the shirt, we're going to start with you. So one minute on the clock. Give me what you got. Man, uh, well, because I've seen some concept art, I know Sam Bass had a hand in both of them. So I, I'm completely torn down the middle, literally. Um, I, I hugely disliked Jeff Gordon as a kid and I love Dale Earnhardt but 
the black number three is so sinister. It's so iconic. But I feel like even people that don't know anything about NASCAR know the Rainbow Warrior car. Um, the amount of merch I see people wearing, the amount of hats and shirts and clothes on people that are so far outside of the NASCAR world. Um, it's the same thing with Dale, but it's kind of a different crowd. Gordon just transcends all areas. So I got to go with the Rainbow Warrior. I got to admit, that was kind of a shocking answer because I know, I know <laughs> when hurt, I've talked to hurts. you before. <laughs> it hurts, man. It really does hurt. But I know when I've talked to you before how bad – how much of an Earnhardt fan you were. And that was from your family that helped you become an Earnhardt fan. I, I can't, I can't deny the greatness of that paint scheme. It's the, to put all those colors together and make it look good. And just the day glow on the nose. I mean, as much as I hated Jeff Gordon in the nineties, I can't, the paint scheme, I can't, I can't knock it. All right, Ryan, we'll go with you next. That's one for Earnhardt. I'm sorry. That's one for Gordon. Are you going to surprise us and go Earnhardt? Uh, no, not at all. I am going to pick Gordon all the way. I, and like, honestly, that car is, is what kind of got me in, into racing. I, I remember it's, it's pretty vague, but I remember uh, being at the store one day. It was, had to be like 97, 98. Uh, and I, you know, I saw that diecast car there and it like totally grabbed my attention, all the colors. It's everything you want in a race car. It immediately grabs your attention. Uh, you know, the Earnhardt car had the sinister look in it. It definitely is 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 up there, but uh, you just can't beat that the, that color scheme and the everything about it. It really is, you know, the car of like our generation. You know, people that grew up in the '90s or you know were born in the '90s. It's you know that's just that's our car. I feel like Kyle. How about you? Uh, well, I'm going to be the different one. I think um, I grew up an Earnhardt fan, uh, no matter if it was junior or senior. And I think that, uh, there was just something about that black number three that, I mean, even if you saw a street, uh, black Monte Carlo, you thought of Dale Earnhardt. Um, but I just think that, I mean, yeah, there's no denying the fact that that rainbow paint scheme is iconic. I mean, they're both, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really tough <laughs> debate, but I think that, um, there's just something about that number three, that black number three. I mean, it's so iconic and you, you can just see Dale's face every time you, you see a black number three, no matter who's driving it. But um, I think it's really tough. I mean, today, I mean, when you see William Byron run any uh, throwback rainbow warrior screens, I mean, they're just, they're unbelievable. And uh, they don't, they don't hit the same, I guess, if a uh, black Austin Dillon number three, I don't know. They're just, they're just different, but I think, uh, my vote would be for the Intimidator number three. So before we get to Sean's opinion, uh, Kyle, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, Austin Dillon took the reins of the number three about five years ago or so, and we have yet to see a fully black number three on the racetrack. Now, Richard did say before that to honor uh, Dale's mother, that there would never be a black number three on track ever again. Do you think that Austin Dillon at some point will ever drive a black number three throwback? I kind of hope not, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's interesting because, in, in my opinion, because um, Byron was kind of a successor of Jeff Gordon, in a way. I guess Sorry. I would say Elliott. But um, Austin Dillon, I mean, people are always going to have their opinions that, you know, Austin Dillon was put in that ride because his grandpa or whatever. But um, I don't know. It, I don't think it'd be right. I think, 
I think it's tougher that Dale's not here anymore. And I think that's what makes that argument uh, difficult because Jeff's here. Jeff's still involved in the sport and Dale's not. That's just kind of my thought on it. I think it would, it would be a tough thing for, for true diehard Dale fans to see uh, a replica black number three on the track as it was. That's just my thought. In, in 20, I guess 2018, when they revealed the silver car um, and all the hype that it built up around, you know, what car it might be, what, what they might roll off the trailer, I honestly thought they were going to do it. I, I thought this is going to be it. This is, you know, we're, we're going to get the black and silver. Um, I, I would love to see it on a modern car. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if they did it the right way, if they handled the release properly, if they, you know, got all the right people on board and, and really, you know, just rolled it out with class, I, I think it would, it would go over. Um, but who knows? I, I know maybe you could run one of the alternate, one of the scrapped versions that, that, uh, you know, Sam Bass might've designed for 87, or maybe you do the 87 scheme with the silver number instead of the, the white number, you know, you do something where it's similar, but it's not exact and it still honors the legacy. But I don't know. I, I think I'm at a point where I would might might be comfortable with it, uh, but it is definitely an interesting thing, and it's it's still kind of touchy for most fans. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> Just to piggyback, I know I haven't given my answer. I'm gonna kind of show my hand here, but you know um, when they they rolled out the um, the old number three, uh, you know the Earnhardt old car at Talladega, and Richard Childress took it for a few laps. Uh, I was there right behind. Uh, right on pit road uh, as they were doing that. And uh, it, you should have, you should have seen the crowd reaction when, when that happened and just the utmost respect that they had for the three. Um, the both paint schemes are great and, and, and very iconic. Like, like Kyle said, um, it's a tough thing to, to, to choose between. But when you, when you stand there at Talladega and you see that old number three going around with Richard Childress, you know, uh, driving it and you know the fans all on their feet you know everyone's holding up a number three uh, you know even um, Kevin Harvick you know showing tribute to um, you know the memory of Dale Sr. Um, I don't think there's any comparison that he's the most iconic driver in NASCAR beside Richard Petty um, you know the, those two would, would battle it out but uh, the, he's the he's basically the Michael Jordan of our sport um is the way i the way i would say it and harris you even have shoes that have number three on it so you fooled me with your answer for sure <laughs> no, i was purely paint scheme man a purely paint scheme it wasn't accounting the 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 legends themselves but those those shoes though jeez it's all my person and they are nice <laughs> there's there's three pairs of them in existence now so i've got a pair uh JR at Mode Media Group has a pair, and then a guy in Canada has a pair. So they've gone international now. Just a nice. random guy in Canada just yeah. has That's a pair. The <laughs> yeah, there's the reach right there. There's a huge Dale Earnhardt fan in Canada that bought a pair of Jordan shoes and got them Dale Earnhardt customized. So we're power to Gordon That's can awesome. touch that. But. <laughs> so, Sean, would you say that you would be on uh, Team Earnhardt side compared to the Rainbow Warrior side? I would. I would. I mean, it's, I have a grown up. I, I, lean towards Jeff Gordon because my dad was a big Earnhardt senior fan. And I think I did it just to make him mad. And uh, so I, I had the, I had that, uh, the rainbow warrior car 24 sitting in my room as a kid. Um, but you can't, you can't beat 
you know, the all black number three. I mean, it's an all black car. I mean, to have that much power with just a black base and a number three on it. I mean, come on. You, you, I mean, that that's hands down. I mean, you know, you're, you know, you've made it when you, when you have that kind of power and respect. So if I, if my memory serves me correctly, that's two and two, two for Jeff. Wait, is, is that correct? Split down the middle. Split yeah. down the middle. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to break that though. And I'm going to go with Jeff Gordon because think about it like this. When you look at how many years that car, now I, I will say this, Earnhardt's black number three ran much longer. But if you look at the current generation of NASCAR fans, they've gotten multiple opportunities to see the Rainbow Warrior in action. I remember when, you know, when they started, when Jeff's final year was announced, the first thing I saw on NASCAR's Reddit page, and I actually posted it, I said, we need to get the Rainbow Warrior to run at Homestead. It's got to happen. This car has to run. And it ran at Bristol, and unfortunately, it didn't have such a good run. But later on, we also got to see William Byron run the car. We got to see, I think it was Dylan Lupton in the 24 over in the Xfinity Series. That was a Toyota, which was, to me, bizarre. But, you know, that's beside the point. And even cooler was we had Jeff Gordon run it at North Wilkesboro. It was on iRacing, but think about it. A whole new generation of fans got to see Jeff Gordon drive at North Wilkesboro in a Rainbow Warrior car. That's something that he won the last year I was born in 1996. So to see that, I mean, that was, that was chilling for me to even see that Rainbow 24 out there. So with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for the first episode of Designer Roundtable. Thank you, for for joining me. Next week, we're actually going to talk about the design process behind what goes into paint schemes from the small teams to the big teams, some of the restrictions that people got to deal with, and even talk about some concept schemes that didn't make to the track. So tune in next weekend for episode two. See you guys later.